we go! Welcome back to the, <laughs> the Lights Out F1 podcast. I'm Patrick. That's Claire. That's Jakob. Uh, and today we're previewing uh, Australia. Uh, first, I just want to know what your guys' base thoughts on the track track is. Starting Claire. Yeah, I mean, it's on the street circuit, so hopefully we can get a Checo win. Um, he got P2 last year, so I have high hopes for him. Jakob, <laughs> what do you think? Oh, uh, I'm not a big fan of the track. It used to be super boring to watch. Mm. Um, but I think with the new cars, the racing's improved, so it's it, last year was fun to watch. And then when Max DNF'd, I was like, ooh. But, uh, um, yeah, I think uh, it'll hopefully it'll be an interesting uh, battle between Max and Checo after um, last race, so we'll see. Yep. Um, there's a couple changes on the track. So the, there's a curb at the end of one of the DR, or, yeah, at the end of one of the DRS zones. Um, for reference, we are recording this after FP1 ended. Um, we got to see Max spin off this curb. Um, there's this thing uh so the, the curb is raised uh so if you have a low setup you're going to spin off of it um as shown by max um but there's also a new drs zone attached um and a lot of the teams are having a hard time acclimating to it with a lot of cars running off so i'm kind of curious if you guys are like more or less excited to see first off a fourth drs zone and also uh curbs like this maybe forcing cars to go with a little bit higher of a ride height yeah, that's interesting. Um, I saw somewhere that uh, the the owner of F1 or the president of F1, whatever, Stefano, whatever his name is, he was saying that he would be okay with getting rid of free practices, but I think they're like super necessary for the teams to, to get acclimated and see like this, like things that are going wrong with like curbs and more DRS new changes to the track so yeah i'm i'm kind of excited that it's going to force the cars to get like have a different setup perhaps it might shake up the field a tiny bit um yeah more than that i'm not sure um i guess for an average fan for someone who just turns on to watch the race free practice one free practice isn't something um people usually watch i guess for like in-depth fans that like watching free practice and gain knowledge from it then i guess you can watch it but um i think it's necessary i think um if you don't have free practice you don't get to see fun things like max spinning fun to curve and stuff like that <laughs> yeah so uh, actually this is a good topic one of the uh people in the commentator's office uh, was there he straight up asked um i think julian palmer about like how many free practices that he thinks we need he's like just one like f2 drivers literally learn a track in 45 minutes and then do two races on it we could literally have one free practice session and be totally fine with it just like yeah i think yeah. i think the three i mean for a driver you probably only need for one one yeah. free practice session that's maybe like as opposed to an hour making an hour and a half and a driver's fine i think the whole purpose of or at least the teams would like the teams will never get rid of three practice sessions because it gives them the opportunity yeah. to constantly change setups and stuff like that. So. And that's one of the points that he was making is um, in three free practice sessions and even before the practice sessions for a weekend start, everybody knows what's like the general outcome of what's going to happen in the race just because there's so much lap delta, so much so much tire data, so much uh, car data gathered within three hours and even the time before that that like by the time qualifying comes around people have a pretty good idea of how the race is going to shake down um, uh, obviously barring reliability issues and even that can be seen um, but on the topic of reliability issues uh, a lot of stuff is happening up and down the grid um, first off, Ferrari, uh, another change to the internal combustion engines for them along with other parts. Um, Haas switched their internal combustion engines. Seriously? Engine. Yes. Uh, Haas, Is that another penalty for them? Uh, no, because they're only using, I think they're using their second and third. Um, and okay. then Haas start, used their second one already. Um, and Alfa Romeo switched to their Sheesh. second one. Um, but off Ferrari as well. Mercedes and Aston Martin both switched to their second gearbox this season already. Alfa is already switching parts of their engine. Uh, Williams already switched parts of their engine. 
So this is clearly becoming a very prevalent problem because these engines aren't being able to keep up with how fast the cars are starting to get. So what do you, first off, what do you guys think about how many engine, uh, engine parts have already been changed on the third race of the year in a 23 race year? That is insane that they're using up like a half or, you know, close to all of their um, allowment of parts, like the third race. There's something either going on with the cars that are that just eating up these parts and they need to increase the allocation. Um, I, I just can't believe it. <laughs> Honestly, it's, it's it sounds absurd. Uh, these parts should be more reliable and lasting longer so i'm sure they're scratching their heads going i can't believe we're having to do that already but yep. uh, i don't particularly mind the allowances that they get because it makes for a mixed grid when penalties get kick in and it makes for fun races i think uh, it's up to the teams to make their uh cars and engines and gearboxes and ices and all that more reliable so i mean if you want to increase the allowance increase it but i think we're perfectly fine where it is i'm sure at some point during the season someone will uh will try and lobby for an increased allowance but yep. uh as of right now i'm perfectly fine with so uh, the think, allowances yeah, that they get i think the allowance right now technically would be fine given the fact that We've only had one person serve a penalty, but I think uh, the idea of shaking up the grid's cool. But also, there's a problem when it like it's gonna feel like every race in the second half of the season is just mass shuffling because nobody's gonna have engine parts left. That includes Mercedes customers, and that includes Red Bull customers because they're all switching parts already. Like Checo also took on a new combustion engine. Um, Max took on a few new parts, so. It's not like nobody's suffering from. I like every team on the grid suffering from this, but obviously the teams that are suffering the most are Ferrari customers, which kind of brings up the point of Ferrari customers probably aren't going to look towards Ferrari for a twenty twenty six engine. Like this is not a good look for them. Um, uh, do you guys see that as an upside or a downside for them? Maybe they can perhaps focus more on producing a better car than like having to create so many engines and stuff, but it's definitely a loss of revenue and just kind of like a tarnish to their brand name a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I kind of see it as a downside. Obviously they're creating engines and parts for other teams because they, they want to be doing that. And they think that, you know, it, it'll help them in the long run in some way, but it's sort of backfiring now because everyone's not going to, on a sign on and it perhaps was like an income revenue stream that like now they're not going to have in the future if they're counting on it. Yep. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, it gives them, if Haas and Alfa Romeo were to switch engine suppliers, which Alfa Romeo is doing anyways. Yeah, they're Audi, I think they're producing going to, their own. They're going to, yeah, they're producing their own engines. So it's only off. It's only Haas off of that, right? Yeah. Um, so I think um, it gives Ferrari the opportunity to maybe build their build a more reliable engine yeah. because it's less people you're feeding. And yeah, it'll be a loss of revenue if Haas switch over, but um, switch to something else. But um, realistically, I don't see them switching over because who are they going to go to? Well, Renault, okay, so Red Bull. That's one of the cool things um, for 2026 there are going to be six engine suppliers instead of four. Uh, Red Bull has their own powertrains department. Honda is making a second one now that Red Bull bought most of the people from the Honda one. Um, Audi is doing their own. Mercedes, Ferrari, and Renault. Um, so okay, wait, can lot. you explain the, the Honda and Red Bull thing difference? So Red Bull is... Who's going to be... Yeah, so Red Bull bought the current Honda people that are making their engines. And then just rebranded it, obviously with more people of their own, to Red Bull powertrains. So Red Bull will actually be creating their own engine in factory. Um, Honda 
is still planning on being an engine manufacturer for 2026. At least they have applied to be and have been accepted for it. Whether or not they'll be able to go forward with it is an entirely different thing, but um, they're going to have, I guess, another engine department for 2026, even after the statements, I think, last year, like middle of last year, they said they wouldn't be going for engines in 2026 because they don't think that they could go for the net zero carbon footprint with their with engines that they the concepts that they came up with um but i guess apparently they think they are so yeah six what, what team would they supply no one yet that's well so nobody has officially bought engines from anybody yet um mclaren are still in the market for one williams are still in the market for one haas are still in the market for one and um who's the other team Aston Martin are still in the market for one. So obviously we know that none of those teams are making in-house engines for themselves, um, but nobody has solidified who who they're buying from. Presumably, uh, Williams will probably still be buying from Mercedes just because they also get their hydraulics and their... Um, I think there's another part that they get from Mercedes. And then I don't know about Aston Martin just because now that they've proven that they can work better than Mercedes and they're getting their own uh, factory finished, I think... Uh, like three quarters of the way through the year, then they might not need Mercedes anymore. But uh, that's up in the air. And then Haas, I mean, they have a deal with Ferrari for a while to keep producing parts at their factory. But uh, I don't know. It's uh, all up in the air just because there's so many teams. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to go for Audi engines because they're not proven to do anything yet. Uh, but they are a German manufacturer. So it would be cool to see another German team create an engine that's just as good as the Mercedes engine. Uh, hopefully as reliable, that is. Uh, topic of reliability, because uh, there are a lot of changes. We could talk about it all day. But um, turns out that every car in the grid has a little bit of Red Bull in it. Um, if you guys watched Free Practice 1, uh, the Sam, I forget what his last name is, he's the tech analyst for the desk. Uh, pointed out the new AlphaTauri upgrades. Um, and there's this large bump in the floor, and uh, he explained what the bump is. And they're these little, I, I don't remember the specific terminology, but they're essentially like chassis protector, chassis protectors produced by Red Bull. And there's one in, uh, in the floor, and there's one in the side pots. And every team has the exact same one that's regulated through the FIA. So every team is a little bit Red Bull. <laughs> Jakob, how do you feel? How, how do you feel about that? <laughs> don't care. As long as it makes the Mercedes faster, I don't. Care. You want to put little Red Bull stickers on it and say Red Bull Racing? Go for it. All right. Make the Mercedes faster. Don't care. Um, no, I mean, listen. Yeah. I think Red Bull have the best car on the grid. Mm-hmm. You take tech. You, generally speaking, when it's the the fastest car on the grid is where most other teams will derive tech yeah. will derive developments from um so you know don't have a real, don't have a real issue with it it doesn't matter really to be honest it actually doesn't affect performance i just wanted you to know that mercedes is entirely mercedes but um the alphatari <laughs> floor uh nick devries for a lot of fp1 actually held the fourth fastest time uh and Yuki was holding like the number nine time for the longest time. Obviously, FP1 not entirely representative, but it is showing that they have the pace to actually compete a bit better now. So, um, do you guys think we're gonna have a little bit higher of an expectation than P14 for Nick DeVries this race? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see him fight for for a point or so. Uh, he has it in him, you know. He. Did it with the Williams, yeah. so you can do it with the AlphaTauri, I think. Uh, they definitely, I think, are bringing upgrades to this race, perhaps, because the car has just been underperforming so far. So Nick DeVries has much more potential in him, uh, at, even as, like, a rookie. Rookie? Because yeah. I mean, he's not really a rookie, but he is a rookie. Yeah. So he he has a lot more to show, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Jakob? Um, Nick DeVries, Nick DeVries. Uh, I think they could, if the car is as fast as it looks in uh, FP1, and it, you know, they maintain a good weekend uh, throughout the, they may maintain a good weekend, I think, honestly, they could probably pip 
um, McLaren. It's looking like they could fit McLaren standings. Um, mm. So, you know, I think um, it just depends on how, whether we have a good weekend. I think yeah. Nick DeVries is potentially, we could see him fight for points. I think he's got that. I think I, I, I highly rate him. I think he's a, like one of the more talented drivers, young drivers on the grid. Um, so I think I'd love to see him compete for points. I think it's entirely possible. Yeah. So um, outside of Alfa Romeo, the only other, there actually there's two teams, but I'll get to Aston in a sec. McLaren also brought an upgrade. I'm um, not sure if you guys saw their plan, but they they planned uh, two small upgrades, one for Saudi Arabia, or three. Well, well, two. One for Saudi Arabia, one for Australia, and then, of course, everybody knows the big one that's coming in Baku, apparently. Um, it seemed Baku. like it was going a bit better. Lando did post the number seven time for soft tire running in um, FB1. Obviously, like I said, not a representative time, but he is up there. Um, one thing I'm curious about, though, is uh, the fact that they're they're the only team that I've seen so far that have willingly used uh, the aero paint that they normally use during testing during FP1. <laughs> and I don't think we saw any of that last year or at, at all this year. <laughs> so it seems like they're actually running, uh, still running testing for their car currently. And I don't, how do you feel about that, Claire? Okay, well, that's a little embarrassing, but whatever it takes. Yeah. Whatever it takes to see, you know, a better car for more performance for Lando and uh, Oscar. I'm okay with it. Obviously, they're not where they want to be, but <laughs> if they're using paint to, tr- to test it and see what's happening, then whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm just wanting them to move up the grid. So also- Lando P7 is is good yeah so also mclaren their update that's coming in baku right now they're still not actually up to speed um obviously but uh baku is supposed to be the update where they're gonna bring the car that they were supposed to bring for uh bahrain so right now we're actually seeing like a very very underdeveloped mclaren that as zach brown put it isn't as far as they expected it to be when they first started the season um so i'm kind of curious uh if let's say McLaren and like P12, P14. Do you guys think that once they get their massive update, they'll be actually fighting for points on a much more regular basis? That makes sense, obviously. Uh, But they're still going to be, you know, on par with where teams were at the beginning of the year. And then they're going to, obviously, all the other teams are still going to be upgrading. So they may just be in a bad pattern of, not being able to catch up who knows it's hard to say Mm. um one more thing about mclaren and then i'll jump to another team but mclaren um apart from removing james keys and reforming their um development team they also are hiring on the old head of arrow from aston martin the one that um fellows and i forget the mercedes guy that went to aston martin was but they replaced him uh and mclaren are taking him on next year at the start of 2024 so what are your thoughts on that well aston martin got rid of him for a reason i wonder what it was like obviously they just wanted dan files uh but i new perspective is what they need at this point Mm. so I, doubt, I honestly don't know what to say about it except for I, they got to do something different or it's because whatever they're doing is not working. What It wasn't working with James Key. So uh, they're all playing catch up. I guess these uh, department changes probably should have happened during the off season. Yeah. Not like in the beginning of the season. So it's a little discombobulating and hard for the fans to get behind but the sport is often like oh you have to like look at the future and like not deal with like the hardships like William saw that a lot and they're obviously starting to grow now so Um, so off the top of McLaren on Aston Martin Aston Martin have brought their new rewing to this race I think it's either this race or the next one they might have tested it for for, uh, free practice one this race um, I think but, Jeremy was saying that Lance was running a yeah 
the, a different rear wing so than the rear Monza. wing is wider um and the concept is very very simple um aston martin feel that they didn't have enough downforce uh and so they needed a wider rear wing the other problem that they're having is the fact that the mercedes engine is made for a car with very slim side pods which aston martin does not have uh and so it's also affecting the way that their car runs uh vertically and how it runs horizontally uh actually on all three axes if you will um so i'm kind of curious uh i didn't know that problems like this existed with the engines because i thought they were all relatively like pretty similar looking in shape weight design whatever uh so i'm kind of curious Jakob. uh how do you feel about like you know um aston martin still doing better than mercedes with their engine and actually building on top of what Mer- the, the mercedes engine I have no thought. <laughs> I no listen. You give credit where Aston where credit is due. Aston Martin did a good job. They built mm-hmm. a good car. We'll see whether it's legal or not. But yeah. you know, for now it is. So yeah. we'll run with it. Um, I think Mercedes were underprepared for the season. I definitely think they were underprepared for the season. One cannot argue that they were prepared at all. Um, so I think, you know. It is what it is. You give credit where credit is due. I think, um, obviously, the big upgrade that um, all Mercedes fans are praying for is Imola. Yep. Um, is so race six of the season. Yeah, it's after uh, Miami. So okay, that's six. Uh, we'll hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, we pip uh, Aston Martin in the standings. But um, I'm not holding out too much hope yep. on that matter. So Aston Martin. Uh, wait. Yeah, keep going. Okay, so I saw something where Lewis was like talking about the position of the cockpit and how it's forward in the Mercedes. Yes. Do you have uh, any insight on that? So the commentators are actually talking about it. Um, the Mercedes drivers sit much farther forward and closer to their front tires than the rest of the grid. And it gives them a severely, uh, in the words of the commentators, it gives them what could be a severely distorted feeling of what's happening in the rear end of the car compared to other drivers because they're so far forward in the car um and you can see it in like taller people like george russell where like it you can see how close they are to the front of the car compared to other drivers um and so Jakob, do you think that actually is having an effect on how the drivers feel about their rear end i mean the rear end has been the problem for the mercedes for the past like um at least the past three races yeah. or two races they've been all you've heard is been complaining about the rear end yep. And I think Lewis especially, he hasn't been feeling too comfortable in the car. He admitted in Bahrain, he admitted in um, in Jeddah. So um, I think, look, this is just like an evolution of last year's car. Um, I think uh, if the problem persists in after the Imola upgrade, I think then we'll have like, I think then there has to be like uh, maybe a, if the I, I let's just say if the concept if the zero part concept isn't really changed it's more evolved again in Imola, and it's still not competitive it's still not at least getting them to within a couple of tenths of the aston and the red bull i think then there has to be like a serious discussion of whether mike elliott is the guy for the job yeah. but um uh i'm i'm not i'm holding out told the Imola upgrade to make any comments yep. on the Mercedes car for now. So, real quick, I know uh, there is a big difference between two-tenths to Aston Martin and two-tenths to Red Bull. I'm just saying. No, no, no. I meant a couple <laughs> of tenths to Aston. Okay, I meant okay. a couple <laughs> of tenths to Aston Martin and Red Bull. If you can okay, pick up okay. a couple of tenths to Aston and Red Bull, then yep. at least you're in the fight for P2, because right now it looks like you're in the fight for P3 with mm-hmm. Ferrari. Yeah, so... Um, obviously... They're actually yeah. tied with Aston Martin on points right now, and that's after Lance Stroll didn't finish in Jeddah. So, I mean, are you holding out hope that they pull out more points over them a second time and that Lance doesn't finish? Or is it like uh, they will fall behind Aston this race? This race? Uh, I see them falling behind, maybe competing for uh, P3, P4, P5 between uh, at least the two I think the Mercedes drivers will start competing with uh, Fernando not yep. Lance but Fernando for the podium positions and then P4 P5 but um, yeah I think look Fernando Alonso can't like 
will can't carry the team. Like he can to I mean, an extent, can. but <laughs> if, I mean he can to an extent, but also like you have to like the second driver has to score points yeah. to keep that P two. You need two drivers for like, constructors. Yeah, and the difference between Aston and Mercedes is that George and Lewis will continuously score point barring any crashes or DNFs, whereas Lance Stroll is not entirely consistent to an yeah, extent. Like, right. yes, his first two his first appearance was great, and second one DNF, but Lance Stroll is not consistent. So mm. I think over the season, and depending on how car development goes, yeah. it'll be a tight race for between Aston, Ferrari, and Mercedes. But um, you know, we'll see. Um, I think you Red Bull have have no plans to bring in upgrades for I think until round seven. They just straight up don't Why do they need bring one? upgrades. Um and outside of that though, um there's been speculation around Sergio Perez's contract with Red Bull just because of tension that is clearly seen in a team even if they say that there's none. Um and <laughs> when asked uh about the possibility of bringing Lewis Hamilton to Red Bull, uh, Christian Horner said he has no desire to bring him to the team, and that they straight up don't need him. And they I'm, don't. I'm wondering, like, is it just because they have Max, or like, I mean, wouldn't it be sick to see Max and Lewis on the same team? I, I mean, they it would be want to be on the same team. Of course not, but I'm, that's not the question I'm asking. I'm saying, wouldn't it be sick to see them on the same team? It'd be, it'd, be, it'd be brilliant to see them on the same team. I'd love to see them on the same team because then you have equal cars. You can give, in, give time to each person. You'll see who's the better driver on everything nullified. Yeah. But Jos Verstappen will never have let that happen. Yeah. I think there's too much bad blood there between the two of them. As much as they say they respect each other, I think yeah. there's too much bad blood there for them for that to actually happen and i don't think they need lewis like no. i think like a team like ferrari needs lewis a team like Mer- uh a team like mercedes needs lewis yeah. red bull right now don't need lewis because they have max mm-hmm. it'd be a different situation if it was like daniel and checo because mm-hmm. then you could go and say you know what daniel's not world championship material neither is checo um lewis is so then christian horner could go and recruit lewis mm-hmm. but you don't need him right now with max you don't need him um, there also is something else, uh, and I mean, I'll ask you both about it, but, uh, apparently, and this is still mostly rumor, but there has been a proposition for a swap of Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc, and so I'm kind of curious what your guys' opinions are on it. It's weird. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't see it happening. I don't know what the upside would be for... For Lewis to go to Ferrari. I think Ferrari needs Lewis. I just, yeah, of course. But, like, so I guess what? He just would try to get money out of them? Like, I don't know. I mean, if I see Ferrari being competitive, no, though. Uh, I disagree with that. I mean, yeah, obviously the upside. I think for both, there's not a lot of upside because both teams are kind of struggling right now. Mm-hmm. But I think for Charles Leclerc, it. Like this is just rumor. I like yeah, for me, in my head, like the nine. It's like ninety nine percent like not happening. Mm-hmm. But I think in a scenario in which it does happen, mm-hmm. I think for Charles Leclerc, it puts him in a team that will stop treating him like the golden boy. That will stop treating him like he can do no wrong. Like like he is, you know who he is. Like Toto Wolff will like not allow that. George Russell is just as talented as him. So I think. It stops treating him like the golden boy and stops molly coddling him. And for Lewis, it gives him that challenge <laughs> that Michael took on, where when Michael shifted from Benetton to yeah. um, Ferrari, he had to build a team up to win those championships. So I think whether that's a challenge that Lewis wants is like an entirely different question, but it, gives, it presents him that opportunity and also presents him with the opportunity to drive for Scuderia Ferrari. Yep. Um, I was honestly trying to wait for Jeremy for this question, but uh, I'm just going to jump completely off the current F1 train right now. Uh, so, first off, this is all hypotheticals. Let's just say that both of you have enough money to enter into Formula 1 to buy your own drivers as you see fit outside of the ones that are currently on the grid. Um, first off, what car company or motorsport company, whatever you want to call it, would you partner with um, 
in order to be on the F1 grid. Me you know, I kind of like the idea of Ford. Okay. I Ford? like the idea of Ford. Okay. Yeah. I'd pick... Uh, I'd, I'd pick... Um, shit. <laughs> I'd probably pick, like, Lam uh, Lamborghini or Rolls-Royce. Rolls-Royce. i pick Rolls-Royce. Interesting. Any particular... Okay, has Rolls-Royce ever had a motorsport? I don't think. Ever? Okay. That would be interesting just to see. And then yeah. you guys know the story of Lamborghini and Ferrari, so that would yes. be an interesting. Yeah, that would be interesting. Mm -hmm. But also, I mean, the, so first off, for those who don't know, Lamborghini is a sub uh, company of the Volkswagen Group, um, who were trying to take two bites of the apple with uh, trying to get both Porsche and Audi into Formula One. They got one, which is great. So I don't think they're too buttered about Porsche not getting in. But uh, yeah. see, imagine how cool it would be, or weird it would be, to see uh, three teams from the VWG on the grid at the same time. Like, imagine if you had Lamborghini, Porsche, and Audi on the grid at the same time. That would be mayhem. But also, yeah, for guy. sure. Um, now, outside it's of that, unnecessary. Uh, drafting picks for your team. Claire, you can have the first pick. Who are you picking up that's not on the current F1 grid? Is not on the current yes. F1 grid. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, you can have any driver. I'm gonna from steal anywhere, any series. I'm gonna steal Daniel. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Don't don't laugh at me. Come on. <laughs> I'm taking like dead or alive. No. Or alive. like no. <laughs> I'm taking Seb. I'm taking Seb any day of the oh week. Oh my god. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, I'm gonna take Tail Porsche. Okay. Claire, who's your second driver? Uh, Colton Herta. Oh, <laughs> that's an interesting one. This is an American team if I've ever heard of one. <laughs> she's got Ford, <laughs> yeah, Ford. She's got Daniel Ricardo, and she's got Colton Herta. This is every U.S. fan's dream team. <laughs> Let's go. Jakob, who's your second driver? I'm taking Stoffel Van Dorn. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. See, I, don't, I don't know whether or not to laugh at you or to to. Bro, you don't, do you like know how good, but... awful Van Dorn is? No, I understand. It's just like you laughed at her for picking Why, Daniel, who... and then you pick Stoffel. If you, I guarantee you, if you put Stoffel Van Dorn, if you if you remove the McLaren part of his career, had had that had that gone, so the majority was had he gone to it, <laughs> it was only like it was only two to, two to three years of his career. Yeah. As F1 career, you put him in a team like Mercedes or put him in a team like a team that would actually build him up as opposed to destroying him the way Fernando Alonso and Zach Brown did. Mm. That's an L to McLaren, the way they destroyed him. He'd be one of the more one of the most talented drivers on there. He'd be right alongside in the McLaren with Lando right now had they not destroyed him the way they did. Stoffel Van Dorn is an extremely talented driver. And I would take Stoffel. I have faith in Stoffel. I, I agree. Stoffel. Hmm. Fernando Alonso and Zach Brown destroyed him. <laughs> okay, hold on. Who's your first Facts. driver again? I wonder how he feels. Wait, Seb, I, Seb. I wonder how he feels you have about Seb and Stoffel on the same same team. Yeah, I think. I wonder how Stoffel feels about being Beast the a reserve driver for Aston Martin right now. Yeah, he was actually they actually showed him in the paddock. Um, a second driver. I'm going to pick somebody who's probably experienced. I don't care whether or not they've won a race, but they just have to have F1 experience. Um, so just because of age and somebody I want to keep on the team, I'm probably going to pick somebody like... Um, I'm going to say Antonio Giovinazzi. And it's not... <laughs> I don't see him as a great driver. And you it's were giving like, me shit for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Antonio Giovinazzi. So it's not like I see him as a fantastic driver. He's a midfield driver at best, but like for you're having a midfield team right now, sir. Yes, that's okay. With me. I, me personally, so what you have is a very Fine, young, Jacob and I can just yeah. we can just fight it for for wins. You're gonna be in the back with your Williams. <laughs> Anyways, uh, my team's the one that actually I has formula right now. Okay, so um, but. So your team would be uh, a young, unknown how good he is in formula type driver with a very experienced, proven winner. 
uh, in a team that has been in Formula 4, you'd have two old people on the same team. Uh, one who old don't and have... Rel- <laughs> in, in, in relativity to sport. Uh, one who has no drive to be in the sport, and the other one who can't find a seat in the sport. Uh, and a team that's never okay. been in the sport. You're, <laughs> you're, you're picking this apart. This is just like... I'm taking like Fun. Red Bull. Seb. I'm taking Red Bull. Seb. You like, want Red Bull? Seb? Like, I'm taking Red Bull. I'm, Seb, talking and I'm, current, taking... I'm talking current driver. Okay. Okay. So you mean you're doing to tell me that you would take Antonio Giovinazzi mm-hmm. over what? Why would a retired you not take, driver like... and like? Hell yeah! Why would you not want Seb? Imagine you gave him like a championship. Okay, you car. took him first. That's why I didn't take him. Yeah, but like, why would you take Antonio Giovinazzi when you could take someone like if uh, if you gave like uh, Jensen Button a championship winning car or Felipe Massa well, a championship winning drivers car. or Nico Rosberg? I'm trying to pick drivers Nico. who are actually still willing to drive. You don't know. I'm Felipe Drogovic. Like, there's driving. Some so I picked Tail Porsche because I, I, So my young driver choice was narrowed down to either Federico Vesti or Teo Porsche. Just because I think both of them are talented enough to be an F1. Uh, the only other driver on the F2 grid or a young driver I see that's not already on a team as a reserve driver in any capacity that could be on the F1 grid is maybe Jack Duhon. I don't see Victor Martins on the F1 grid ever. I don't see like most of the drivers on the F2 grid ever being there. But those are the three that I highly rate. Um, Tail Porsche are chief amongst them just because so in my opinion. Why are you putting Antonio Giovinazzi? Well, okay, I just okay. He has F one experience, and I don't care how bad of a driver he is. There's like, there's not very many other drivers who have F one experience that aren't already on a team. And he is a reserve driver for Ferrari, but he'll never get back in the seat. They have Robert Schwartzman waiting, and he's. What about better. Mick Schumacher? You don't want to give him a, a spot. He's on a team. No, that doesn't count. That's what I was. Saying. You can pick a reserve driver. I still wouldn't pick Mick we, just because he hasn't had the experience yeah, of driving a good it. car. I, I Stoffel's a reserve driver. Daniel's a reserve driver. Anyway, <laughs> That's what we just. I, w- I wouldn't pick Mick. See, the thing is, like you pick Daniel because obviously he has pedigree. He's proven. Mm-hmm. Stoffel has proven to me, at least, has pedigree <laughs> in FE. He has pedigree in FE. He has pedigree in F two, F three. He's, I think he's one of the more underrated talents mm. that could have been my, an F1. Okay, so real quick, my whole thing about Stoffel is I will believe in Stoffel Van Doren having talent in Formula E because he did win a championship quite handedly. I mean, he had one other competitor who was with him. I won't believe in Formula E drivers unless Nick DeVries forms, or performs in Formula 1 just because like, it's so hard for drivers from other... You know, we don't know that yet. From what I see, I've seen two people. We do before. know that. Let's go, DeVries. Anyways. Debris, um, DeVries. I can't judge other Formula series or any other series that's on the grid until they're on the grid. And so far, the only people that I've ever really seen do well on the grid are the ones who come through the actual Formula system. So, I mean, if, let's say, Nick DeVries does fantastic after his first year in AlphaTauri and he just like starts doing these majestic point scoring performances. Cool. Maybe give Stoffel Van Dorn a chance again when he's like, what, 30 something already. I mean, give him another chance. Sure. But for me, it's not like I've seen it enough to rate him that highly. No offense to, of course, you know, the terrible situation that he got put in with McLaren, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. That being said, like I said, I picked Antonio Giovinazzi just because he has driven uh, he drives with Ferrari, which is nice. Um, he's driven the Alfa Romeo, which has had a Ferrari engine. Uh, and I just think that given time, I could just get rid of him. All I want to do is just have someone who can teach Teo about the, teach him the ropes. Okay. I want to interrupt yep. on your whole second chance little shindig that you had there <laughs> about Stoffel. Yeah. You're an Alex Albon fan. Yes. He got humiliated by Max by Verstappen. Al- by back Max Verstappen. Who and doesn't? still got a sec Daniel Ricardo didn't get humiliated. He got destroyed. He didn't get humiliated. He wasn't like like he competed with Max. He was like competitive to an extent. Mm-hmm. Albon got humiliated. Absolutely it was a humiliation by Max Verstappen. Mm-hmm. Like that he did. 
and still got a second chance in that Williams, despite what I, I mean, might have that's to say. A, that's a, it's the same argument that Valtteri Bottas got humiliated by Lewis Hamilton and still went out for no, no, no! Yes. You can't say he got humiliated if you say he's a he could win a championship when he could win a championship in that car. No, that's true. He didn't true. get humiliated. He got beat. He, he did not get humiliated. Over. He did not. Yeah, I agree with you. You're comparing. You're not comparing. Won the same races. Comparison. Yeah. Mm. Alex Albon won. Didn't win a race. No. Had two podiums. Yeah, two P threes. That's it. Um, got lapped by Max. Yeah. So, in my opinion, so I don't think Alex Albon did he drive for Toro Rosso ever. He did, yeah. Okay. Um, outside of Toro Rosso, I don't think he really drove any actual cars. Not that Toro Rosso was worth driving. Um, so, I don't think... I think Pierre Gasly and Alex Albon don't have, didn't have fair chances for Red Bull. And I, I'm pretty sure most people can probably agree on that. Just because uh, Red Bull put six years into Max Verstappen before and gave Pierre Gasly four months and gave Alex Albon. Alex Albon had much more of a chance, but um, I don't think it's fair to compare anybody to Max unless it's Lewis, maybe Chaco. Yeah, but you're, you're comparing, you're comparing, not Chaco, but you're comparing like Stoffel <laughs> to Alonso. Alonso got, Alonso, like, you know, Alonso and Zach destroyed him yep. because of the way they treated him and the way Alonso like behaved. But, you know, and all this Alonso hype train seems to forget that Alonso is a serial cheater. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, I think the comparison, yeah, so, the argument that, the argument that he isn't deserving of an F1 seat because of one aspect of his career mm. is not valid, at least in my opinion. Hey, Jakob, it's okay. Patrick's team sucks and our teams are a lot better than his, so he's just uh, having a little uh, uh, moment. I don't know if your team is a lot better than Okay, I think my team is better than yours, so I was trying to be nice there, but whatever, man. (laughs) I don't know, looking at the history of things, I mean, Ford has a history of sport. What's up? If anyone watching, listening, whatever, drop who you think would win uh, a season, which team? Awesome. That's all. Um, (laughs) Okay, continue. So, uh, on the topic of, topic of Formula 2, um, kind of still comparing it to Formula 1, Oscar Piastri won the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix when he was in Formula 2, um, and he put that McLaren on uh, P9 on a track that he knew. So I'm kind of curious on, I mean, obviously he grew up racing in Melbourne, uh, that's where he's from. Uh, so clearly he's got some knowledge of the circuit. Do you think that you got that he's going to be able to use his knowledge of the circuit to really push that McLaren a little bit further than it should be? No, he hasn't been there since 2015. True. It will be an almighty defeat. <laughs> it will be an almighty non-point-scoring no, Claire, I mean... Lando's going to do pretty well this year. I mean, in, in this race, a P7 finish apparently. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. That was my prediction. My crazy prediction. Okay. Uh, yeah, your entire prediction I mean, I don't know. Wild. <laughs> well, Max is going to DNF again, and oh, things are going to be crazy. Yes. <laughs> oh, wild. I mean, after you see, like, even just like a little bit of chaos with like the sliding off, um, the curbs and stuff, I feel like there's going to be a safety car. Someone's going to hit someone else That's at some point. I don't know. Yeah, something's gonna happen. So yeah. why, if I just did like a perfectly perfect prediction, like you're not gonna get them all right. So why not just throw some curveballs in there? Yeah, there's a difference between throwing, you know, a, a wrench in the plans, a curveball into it, maybe a couple, but like you threw six. I, I think. believe in putting good <laughs> vibes out there. If you put it out there, then it has a chance. If you don't, then then McLaren's just gonna stay, you know, P18, P19, whatever. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm throwing Lando up to P7 because stranger things have happened. So I'm going to ask you guys both this question because both your teams are kind of in the same boat on this. And this is coming from a Williams fan, so I really don't have a right to speak about it. But uh, McLaren are going to get their wind tunnel in May. So their entire focus is basically entirely on 2024. And Toto Wolf said it's going to take them anywhere from six months to a year to catch up 
to where Red Bull is currently. So I'm kind of wondering, where is your guys' like faith in these teams coming from that you think they're going to come back through the field? Just blind loyalty, pretty much. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jakob? I don't have to use blind loyalty because my team has built eight championship winning cars. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. Right so, <laughs> you know, right now, for the last two years, it's not gone well, but um, I have faith in my team and my driver, my GOAT. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the world's It is. I think, for me at least, I, I fully believe that maybe not this year, but we will get back to championship winning ways. Whether it's this year or next year remains to be seen. Okay. Um, do you think that anybody is going to win a championship off of Red Bull in the next two years? Yes. <laughs> okay. 100%. Is, is, I think is, is anybody year. catching it this year? No. All right. Um, and I'm pretty sure you guys would probably say Checo is probably going to be the closest person to Max this year. Yep. Pretty much. All right. I um, would like to say that Checo has a chance. Perhaps Checo's we shall see. Red Bull will burn their garage to the ground before <laughs> Checo ever wins a drivers' world championship. Okay, actually, on this topic, do you guys think? That, okay, let's say it's Checo first, Max second. Do you guys think that they're making Checo give up the spot this race? Hundred percent. Not not this early. No, I mean. I don't think Checo would do it. I think Max will try. I think Max will try his hardest to get that position swapped. And if he doesn't get team orders, he will. If he has to dive bomb Checo, he will do it. I promise you. Yeah. So one of the things I've been seeing recently is that, uh, I mean, Checo's finally at his limit with Max. Uh, I think everybody can see it, and he's been very patient with Max over the past two years. Um, Two. Yeah, two years. in 2021, I mean, he did literally everything in his power to make sure that Max got the championship. Uh, 2022, I mean... Not- you know, actually... So I was reading an article yep. today. Um, uh, it was about, like, the tension between Checo and Max. Mm-hmm. And um, it was basically, like, a timeline of, like, how the build-up and why it's at its peak right now, right? Sure. And so it started, obviously, with 2021, where Checo defended Lewis... Uh, in Abu Dhabi. And I mean, it was have a fantastic defense. Just... Fantastic defense. Fantastic defending. No one's going to argue yeah. that. No one's going no to say anything different, yeah. right? Uh, for reference, you go... Checo backed up Lewis to the point where they were lapping in the 134s, where Max was lapping in the 128s. Correct. So they were, they, he blocked Lewis. He defended <laughs> yeah. that position like a, like a killer, like yeah. a beast. Like flash forward, flash, exactly. <laughs> flash forward to Brazil. Right? Flash yeah. forward to Brazil. Max doesn't let Checo pass to get P two in the championship. He can still win. He can still win. Get P two yeah. if he gets P two in Abu Dhabi, right? Yeah. If Checo gets P two in Abu Dhabi, it's Max, Charles, Checo. Yep. Max just drives off into the distance. Doesn't do any blocking. Nothing of the sort. Mm-hmm. Someone asked Max, why didn't you back up Charles so that Checo could try and get past? And Max's code of the season, Max said, you know, I could have done it, but is that considered fair racing? Is that how we wanted to see the season end? And so, listen, Checo is definitely at his... I was like, yo, dog, you can't be saying that shit. Yeah, and so what I was seeing was... Max uh, does not deserve Checo at all. Oh what my I was God. saying is that like uh, Checo is finally at his limit with him because after last race where, I mean, Max didn't listen to team orders. Checo knows it, and Checo was like, "Why isn't Max listening?" And why? Like, uh, there's obviously like the pin needle that is the fastest lap, and everybody knew that Max was gonna go for the fastest lap, and he literally blew off the uh, engineers, uh, and GP just so that way he could get the fastest lap. Um, and Chaco's just like, yeah, I, I mean, do you guys think he's just done? Like, there's no reason for him to let Max through this early in the season. And even if, like, if if, if they're 
more than a race went apart, I can see Team Warriors being implemented. But until there's a 25-point gap, I'm pretty sure Chaco has no reason to give anything to Max. Um, Agree. Yeah. Outside of that, uh, George Russell snapped back at Lewis Hamilton. Um, so after the race in Jeddah, uh, Lewis is like, yeah, George went one way with the setup. I went one, uh, the other way. Usually the way that George went with it would be the one that was wrong. And today he just happened to get it right. So he was a bit more lucky than me. And then George snapped back today or yesterday saying, uh, yeah, it wasn't luck. <laughs> I spent all night working with my engineers to, you know, do the setup that I preferred and make the, push the car to the limit that I wanted to go to. Um, and so, I don't know, Jakob, how do you feel about George kind of just like, I mean, basically saying I just did the right thing and you didn't type of deal? I think it's part of any team dynamic tension. Every team's going to have moments of tension and comments being made. Look at Red Bull. Uh, Ferrari will definitely have it during the season between Charles and Carlos. I don't even think they have room for that, honestly. <laughs> you, you would think they they don't have the bandwidth for it, but somehow they will generate it. Um, they generated last year in Silverstone, so you know I think all teams have this intra team inter team tension now. Mm. You know whether that affects racing on track is a different issue, but I'm fine with like all these comments being made. Yep. I think like I think George and Lewis have a like a, a mature enough relationship where they're probably discussing this these things behind closed doors and. We just don't hear about it. So. Mm -hmm. um, I forgot. We totally skimmed past them because there is a team that everybody forgets. But um, Alpine are in their usual spot in the middle of the pack between the front runners and the back runners. Where do you guys see them finishing this race? I'd say they stay in the same position they started. It was P seven, eight, something like that. Alpine. This is the issue with Alpine. You know, they stay in one position. They don't go forward. They don't go backward. So what are you supposed to say? Yep. Unless they start, like, hit, running into each other. Like, there's not really anything that's going on with Alpine, right? So, yep. you know, I think they um, stay in the same position. Uh, so, until I see, like... Yeah. Um, last thing before we're out of here. Um, James Vowles has gotten the backing of a couple other team principals where he believes that um, the teams in the lower part of the grid, outside of just getting more wind tunnel and CFD time, should also get a higher budget cap, and the teams at the front end of the grid should get a lower budget cap for the season. Um, and his reasoning behind it was that not like it's one thing for you to get more wind tunnel and CFD time, but if you can't like do enough with your budget to do it, do anything with it, then it's kind of pointless. So... I mean, how do you guys feel about that? Because I feel like it's a pretty fair thing, uh, kind of following up on what Yost Capito said before, like even if, uh, if with the budget cap, uh, even if the lower teams have the opportunity to use their wind tunnel time, and let's just say every team is running at the budget cap, that means that every team is moving upward at the same rate because the budget cap is making it so the teams with more CFD time don't really get more out of it. So, I mean, would you agree with something like this? Yes and no. So, at first glance, it, like, makes sense. Mm -hmm. But then at, at second glance, it's like, well, what are we trying to do here? Make all the cars be, like, the same? Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know what I mean? There always no. is going to be underdeveloped cars. Um, that's what, that's kind of, like, the fun part of it. Like, you get what you get at the at the... The budget cap now and you have to make the best of it mm. with your team sorry if you're starting out as like a smaller team um but i don't know it's interesting no. but i don't think that's the final solution mm. no i i i don't like it like it's just like even if you were to increase the budget cap for say williams say go from 130 to say 150 yep they don't have 150 million no, they dollars don't. So what difference does it make, right? Yeah. But, and in what sport have you heard of different budget caps, right? Yes, so or F1 is of sort of budget a... caps. Uh, I think the thing that you can most easily relate it to is probably like an NFL draft, where teams that do worse get better picks. And I guess it's compared yeah, to the Yeah, but you also, time, but yeah. that's the CFD time yeah. and wind tunnel time. So, yeah. like, you set one budget cap and then you 
roll from there. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need different budget caps for different games. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, it makes no sense. That's I fair. I don't agree with it. Um, you guys got anything else? One final topic I have? Yeah. Yeah. McLaren has 47 sponsors. Yes. Is that just, like, too much? Like, what the heck? Alfa Romeo has 45, you know, and then Haas is down at 14, so... Kind of wondering what Alfa Romeo's sponsors are, honestly. Half of them I can't Uh, even recognize. I think you'll see McLaren's sponsors drop off if they continue performing the way they're performing, so... Mm. I don't know, but they're getting a lot of time, like, screen time. So that's that's the thing I'm trying to figure out is who was their new don't sponsor? don't companies what who was their new sponsor um one second yeah, that was a big one was it yeah. what did they work day work day yeah that's mm-hmm. the new one um was that the new one yeah that was a new one yeah is work day a big thing or no yeah is a, i mean at least a big thing because of the um they do like cloud services and all that, like okay, Salesforce. That yeah. So reasonably, because they're a growing company, but okay. um, it's a they, pretty... they signed a multi-year partnership with Workday. It's like Oracle. It's like, but I don't think gotcha. they're a title sponsor in okay. that sense. The money is probably doesn't match up the same way. Okay. Um, uh... Oh yeah, but I was saying that like you know companies when they're thinking about sponsorships, they're not thinking about how like how good the team is, kind of. Like, I guess that, you know, you can say in your marketing, like, first, say, CrowdStrike with Mercedes, like, when they are winning, like, that was a great thing to say. But, you know, if you're not going for the, the highest winning team, then you go for, like, screen time, right? Because you want to be seen on TV, correct? Yeah. So I think McLaren won't have an issue. And Zach Brown's a sweet talker, and he'll figure out a way to keep him around, don't you think? Uh... I don't know. I just... They have 47, so they have something they can lose, and there's a little leeway. Yes, that's true. I don't know. It's just like, I feel like even with screen time and everything, the thing that most sponsors would probably look for is a winning team. Just because at the end of the day, a lot, you of the money, see, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the money that you get to give back to the sponsors comes from winning and doing well in the constructors. And if you can't give back to your sponsors, then there's a problem there. And also, you want to see like your sponsor. You want the sponsors want to see their brands like on the podium, or you know, yeah. champagne. You know, Instagram posts of oh, this person won. This person on the podium, fastest lap. So you know, that for also, sure. Quite, for frankly, sure. the sponsors on McLaren, like you couldn't They're name pretty- most of them because the ones, oh yeah, because the main ones you see are OKX and. Dell Google. and Google, yeah, and it's like okay, well, where what are the other sponsors? Because most of them are like these really small name tags on like the Halo or the Front Wing, yeah. and you don't get to see those when the cars are going three hundred kilometers an hour. It, you don't get to see them. So yeah, I don't know. and even with the nose wing cam, like you don't get to see them because it's attached to the front of the 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 Front Wing. So yeah. the most important place that people want their sponsorships are on the rear wing, like Patronas, like Velas, like kraken um and any other rearing sponsor the ones that are on the sides yeah the ones that are on the sides like cognizant okx um dorleton capital things like that so i mean obviously those companies aren't going to care too much about like you know how winning their team are because they have a gargantuan sponsorship right on the car but things like work day and thermal battery yeah I mean, <laughs> Duracell batteries. The blue mount right battery on top. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, small spon- sponsorship deals that have small names aren't going to care about screen time. They're going to care about you winning. Yeah. Um, yeah. But on the topic mm-hmm. of sponsorships, uh, Williams got Kraken, which is nice. Uh, that's another massive sponsorship deal for them because they just got Gulf at the start of the year. They already have Doralton and Duracell, and they just got Kraken, which means now they have four huge sponsors for them. You couldn't name any of the other sponsors that they have. I think they have like seventeen. I don't care. I, they just got another big sponsor, and it's on the rear wing, so I'm happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, also, James Vowles did say um, in an interview, I think two days ago, that he wasn't a hundred percent sold on the Mercedes engine. Uh, and in his words, he said, um, 
if you're going to paint your house, you don't just take the first quote you get. You usually want to look at it like one, two or three other quotes. And I'm just like, oh, that makes sense. Like, you don't want, like, just because you're friends with Mercedes and friends with Toto doesn't mean you're just going to buy what they have. For, quite frankly, Red Bull has the best engine. And if they have the best engine, I don't know why you wouldn't go to them. Sure. But it's probably just negotiating tactics, though. Yep. Either. Um, You've seen Star Wars? The scene where Anakin Skywalker screams traitor. That's what's <laughs> Stay it's, off. It's, it's, it's for the good uh, of the company. But uh, we're at our time. That's all we have for you guys. Uh, if you stayed to the end of this episode, do what Claire said to do in the middle of the episode and let us know which team would win. Or drop a team that you would make in two drivers in a car company. Um, but until next time, that's the latest out F1 podcast. You can do the thing. And it's lights out and away we go.